Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Kanish Yeehaw podcast here in the Last Choice Network. I am Natalie. And I'm Jared. And on today's episode, we wanted to talk about shipping and fan fiction um, within the anime fan community. Right. Right. So I think we first want to start with fan fiction. So, Jared, what is fan fiction? Right. So, fan fiction is whenever there is already an existing media, so be it on uh, an IP, a setting, uh, characters, and then it typically amateurs um, use that, use those to make their own stories. Mm-hmm. So you could use this, just the setting of a place, you could use like the same characters, as long as it it's typically copyrighted things. Yeah. That and I would say it's also mostly characters. It is mostly characters. Like so, like using the same setting, like that can be a thing, but mostly it's character, like using the same characters. Right. At least, I mean, yeah, I'd say that's probably it. it yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I'm, I know that there are like completely like OC original characters. Or, yeah. Um, like stories that people write, mm-hmm. but I really, at least from ones that I imagine are like more widespread it's mostly just already existing characters right and then put into different scenarios Mm -hmm. um and fan fiction actually really isn't new so if you go by the definition that I gave um fan fiction fan fiction is really old so before copyright um authors were would even publish works that used characters from famous media like Shakespeare and Sherlock Holmes specifically Mm -hmm. and so they would take these characters these already well-known characters and make it into their own stories and they would even like publish those and you know get paid for those that's definitely something that you can't do now yes (laughs) (laughs) but um, when it comes to like what we know as fan fiction now it's in the grand scheme of things kind of new mm-hmm. so at least for america it started around the 80 it made its first big boom of like being well recognized around the 60s i said the 80s but 60s right um and it started with actually star trek fans mm-hmm. so like the first like fan fiction kind of recognized is a um is just a star trek yeah Um, it's kirk spock yes yeah and so um we we for what we have now we definitely have you know kind of that to give credit to Mm -hmm. and so they they would write these fan fictions and then they set up like a mailing system like to get the mail to other fans they trade things like that and they also would go to like sci-fi convent sci-fi conventions mm-hmm. and sell them there so that they can make some profit from it um or even just trade it like among right. other fans so even if there wasn't a profit involved there is like a like trade network right so right. like maybe a fan fiction for a fan art or like mm, yeah. something that doesn't necessarily mean like that's like not monetary but still like receiving you're, something in it, yeah in you're exchange. getting something yeah right okay yeah that makes sense mm-hmm. because i mean even now there are like art exchanges and things yeah. like that that people do and um it is 
mostly women. Mm-hmm. It was mostly women that do it, that did it. Yeah. Um, and in Japan, it's kind of the same. So in Japan, it's called doujinshi. It's not just written out. It's actually drawn as well in like a full manga style. Mm-hmm. And it also was mostly women that did this. Um, and so this is actually a way that they could get recognized within like manga artistry as a whole like as a uh, as a business Mm -hmm. so they could you know make their doujinshi and then someone like higher up might see it and be like oh you're actually really good let me sign you on to to a series um some specifically uh, specific ones are like Rumiko Takahashi. She wrote uh, Ranma One Half and Inuyasha. Yoshihiro Togashi. Uh, she wrote Yu Yu Hakushu and Hunter X Hunter. And then the group Clamp. So Clamp first started out as eleven people, eleven women that all drew doujinshi. Mm-hmm. Then they came together and made made uh, Chobits and Triple X Holic and a couple of others. So like these are pretty pretty big name like right. manga right not like now they are it's definitely important to know that whenever doujinshi was first starting mm-hmm. um it really was a way for women to even just show that they had talent right in in anime and manga drawing because m- like most things back in the day women weren't really in the industry or let into the industry so to speak um so the fact that people that they still had a way to be recognized even by like um actual animation studios and then hired from there right. was it was pretty cool yeah yeah um and then like i said uh, earlier about how like in america they would go to like sci-fi conventions to sell so um these doujinshi artists actually banded together and made their own convention. It's called Comicet. Mm-hmm. And at the time, there was only about 600 people that first, that came to the first one, which is still quite a bit, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, but now it's the largest convention in the world. Right, yeah. And it's mostly just focused around fan-made things mm-hmm. for, like, for trading, for selling. Mm-hmm. And because of this, we now have conventions in, like, America and things like that. And so there's a big part of, like, anime culture that, like, if it weren't for these women um, pioneering this sub, this, like, subculture of anime. Like, fan creation. Yeah, of fan creation, yeah. Yeah. Then we really wouldn't have anime like we do now in America. Yeah, we wouldn't have the um the convention culture. Right. Where we where I mean a huge part of going to conventions is not necessarily to see pe- I mean part of it is seeing people in the industry and um seeing maybe licensed material, but a huge part of it is seeing independent artists. Right. I mean, that's probably one of my favorite things like right, the yeah. artist alleys. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, as you can see, we have if yeah, you're on, if you're watching on YouTube, we have a couple behind, uh, a couple fan art, um, yeah. Yeah, they're fan art. Fan art's behind us. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I actually really like looking at, like, um, ah, there's a word for it, um, for this art. 
And the Prince. Prince, yeah. 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 So, I, I mean, I really like going to anime conventions and looking for new prints. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really picky, though. I'm really picky about That's fine. There's a lot of options. <laughs> yeah, that is true, yeah. And so, like, I kind of, like, only want to print if I'm, like, really into the series. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. And so, one thing about, like... Um, fan fiction now is that you know back then in like the 60s they had to you know like mail each other they had to make a list they had you know like a whole system of how to get it to each other Mm -hmm. but now like we have we have the internet we have like fanfiction.net we have archive of your own of our own and so it's way easier for um, for fan fiction to be read now yes and it's way easier for it to be um, written. Also, like from mm-hmm. the from the creator's perspective, um, whenever fan fiction was first getting really big, a lot obviously like a lot of um, IP like media licensing people were like, um, "Is this a copyright infringement? Right. Like, do I? It's like what? Like you look at this art back here, and it would be like somebody being like, um, you can't draw that because." You don't own it? Like, you don't own the IP? That was actually brought up not too long ago. Um, yeah. About, um, I can't remember what the, um, which series it was, but there was actually a company that was bringing up, like, lawsuits for uh, artists. For artists. Um, selling at Artist Alley. Yeah, it's still a pretty dicey ordeal, honestly, because then you have the flip side of companies being like, oh, yay, like, we love fan art, because they see it as free labor. Which is, right. like, a whole other issue. But um, going back to fan fiction, um, what I was going to say is that obviously when this was starting, the copyright thing was a huge deal. Um, there were a lot of separate cases, um, things. Basically, if you were to post something online, there's a possibility it could have been taken down um, if it, like, breached some sort of thing. I don't know right. the term for it, some sort of law. It could have been like just taken down and then all your work was lost and um that would suck but with sites nowadays especially i i know for sure um ao3 archive of our own they have worked very hard to make sure that if you post something on archive of our own it will not be taken down it will not violate copyright it is a protected fan work um, they have lawyers, they're a nonprofit, and it really is a website that's like made by fans for fans. So we've definitely come a long way if, as far as um, even just having spaces that are like safe to, mm-hmm. to share fan creation. Right. And I think that's super cool and honestly really important because, um, I mean, especially for like in, in Japan, like this is, this is a way for people to get into the industry and that's kind of becoming more of a thing now mm-hmm. in America as well. Yeah. I mean, look at Fifty Shades of Grey. I mean, that started out as a fan fiction that was reworked to be an original work. Yeah, and that definitely is uh, more common than I think people might realize. Mm-hmm. Because I, th- I think that Fifty Shades of Grey was just a really big one because of the content yeah. <laughs> that was in it. Um, but, uh, for example, I am... I was reading a fan fiction for something, and when I got to the final chapter, 
the author put a note on it that said, hey guys, um, I'm actually about to take this down like off of the internet because I am sending this to my agent to be reworked into an actual novel. Mm-hmm. So obviously as a fan fiction, they have to, they're going to have to change all the characters' names and maybe a couple of like plot points. Right. But like they have the potential to become like a published author now. And like I mean, their fan fiction was really good. So <laughs> I think that they definitely deserve it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I mean, that's super cool. Mm-hmm. Like getting an opportunity just for doing something that you did for fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, personally, I'm not really into fan fiction. Yes, which um, I think is weird. I <laughs> I don't know what it is. Um, but I just, like, am not really into things that aren't canon. Mm-hmm. Like, I have a hard time, like, enjoying it, I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, excuse me. But as kind of like a far-out example, so with Homestuck, so... You had the initial Homestuck that was, you know, mostly directed and written by Andrew Hussey. There's now, like, an epilogue, like Homestuck 2, that it's not written by him. And so I haven't even, like, gone anywhere near it. Because it's just, like, I just have no desire to, to do it, mm-hmm. to, to read it. I mean, it's... I don't know. It's kind of it's kind of weird. Yeah. Um, because I I do. If it's not canon, I kind of don't have a desire to to read it. Yeah, I am definitely not that way. I <laughs> love reading fan fiction. I think it's so fun. Um, especially, I think especially stories that are very outside of the content themselves. Mm-hmm. So stuff that is like alternate universe or like. Um, Things like that, like things that are like everything is a different setting. Um, it's just always the same character. Well, we were talking about this. It's mostly the same characters, um, and I just think it's really fun to see. Like you have, like it's like fan fiction has created its own genres now. Yeah. Um, like within itself, and I would say that most of those genres you don't super see outside of fan fiction, which is like it's fan fiction is indulgent. Yeah. So, um, and. That's what's what I think is just so fun about it. <laughs> I think I think I know what it is. Uh-huh. So I don't I don't really trust people that are like not the original creator to get the characters right. Oh yes, and there's definitely some fan fictions out there. I mean, like I I guess have like monkey brain or something because I'll <laughs> just be entertained. But I also recognize whenever there's a fan fiction and the characters are are out of character mm-hmm. and maybe things are just so ridiculous that like of course like it wouldn't like it's it wouldn't be canon you know like yeah. there are definitely fan fictions out there like their purpose is not to try and be canon it's just to kind of have fun okay, with yeah. characters that are already established and a lot of people already like them um yeah <laughs> right and i yeah, I, I can understand that. Mm-hmm. It's just, maybe I just haven't found the right fan fiction. I haven't really yeah. looked super hard. There's a lot of bad ones. 
I mean, yeah. that's that's fair. And there's also a lot of good ones. Mm-hmm. But it definitely takes time to look through them. Right. And you brought up earlier, um, like, genres mm-hmm. of fan fiction. And I think we kind of have to point out probably the biggest genre, which is romance. Yes. And shipping. Mm-hmm. So if you don't know... Shipping is when you take two characters, two or more characters, because there are love triangles. Yes. That is uh, also a big part of mm-hmm. um, shipping. If you take two or more characters and you put them in a relationship. so Whether they're in a re- the relationship already in canon, it doesn't really matter. Right. Which I, would say. Which I actually would, would almost say that... Um, more often they're not canon. More often than not, they're not canon. Because yeah. fanfiction is indulgent. Right. So, obviously, like, if the point is we want to imagine a, a relationship, we're going to probably pick one that we don't see in canon. Right. To write. And so, like, I mean, yeah, ships ships are, as long as there's been anime, there's probably been ships. Yeah. And I'd say probably the absolute biggest one that started it all is going to be um, Evangelion. So right. you have Shinji, Asuka, and Rei. Yeah. So well, this Yeah, this goes into shipping wars, though. Right. Into people arguing over which ship is better, mm-hmm. which is also um, a big thing in fan cultures, whether it be um, something that's playful or something that's taken very seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's people argue. Over oh, yeah. who should be with who. <laughs> yeah. And it can get pretty intense. Oh, I f- yeah. I feel like it's not... I don't know if I'm just not in the right, like... Or if I'm just not in, like, the circle of, like, shipping wars anymore. But I don't really see it as much anymore. Mm-hmm. Like... I feel like I... I'm trying to remember when the last time I saw something like that... Um, well, we they, we've seen some talk of quote unquote problematic ships, right. which people will argue over. Okay, yeah, that's true. That's that's something that people will fight over. Yeah, over which with that um, the ships, yeah. Uh, the the one that comes to mind is Bakugo and Deku. Right. So that's one that I remember <laughs> that they're like, oh, you can't ship them because it's like toxic. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know anything about my hero, so I can't give my input on that. Right. But I mean, I I hear I hear chatter. I guess is the best way to put it. I hear chatter on Twitter mostly mm-hmm. when, um, I mean even okay actually, no with with Star Wars with Star Wars that was a really big one recent like semi recently right like yeah. Ray and Kylo. Ren. Yes, Ray right? and like, Kylo that's a, Ren. Okay, yeah. so that's like another one where like people fight over it, and yes. some people think it's like really toxic, and some people love it. Um, once again, I have not consumed it. I am not giving an opinion on. <laughs> I am. Which one is it's, right? Yeah, you can. A little, it's a little like I can kind of see both <laughs> sides, and I think it's also that they kind of like forced it into the movie. Mm-hmm. Like it's. <laughs> I can see both sides of it. Right. But we're just we're trying to give examples right. um, of what maybe that looks like to a more Western audience. I mean, basically all this stuff happens in anime as well. Right. <laughs> it happens in anime. It happens in pretty much all media. 
Right, yeah. Like, you're gonna... I mean, if you go on to... Well, from a couple of different sources that I looked at, um, I mean, some of the top ships on Archive of Our Own are um, Supernatural. Right, yeah. Um, Sherlock. Mm-hmm. Like, these are live-action yeah. shows. It's not like it's just, like, anime. Yes, for sure. You can write fan fiction or write anything. Right. Obviously, the first one being Star Trek. So, I mean, it just it can mm. be anything from there on out. Right. And, I mean, some of the some of the top ships that I've seen for, like, anime mm-hmm. um, are, like, Naruto Sasuke. Right, yeah. Um, Yuri and Victor. Yuri on Ice. Right, I ship them. And, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I haven't watched Yuri on Ice. I'm probably never going to watch it. So It's pretty I cute. Have, I have no input on it. <laughs> You like romance. Like I do it. like romance. You like it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then um, Bakugo and Deku. Um, so, okay. So, while I was looking, I came across something interesting. Mm-hmm. So, like, growing up, uh, a lot of the ships that I saw were, like, gay. And right. whenever you go to, like, kind of individuals like not like companies posting like here are our top ships Mm -hmm. it's gonna be gay right but if you look up like on google like top anime ships it comes up with top anime couples typically yeah and a lot of the times canon couples are going to be straight couples right and so it's interesting to see like the disparity between like okay these are like the top ships couples mm-hmm. like canon right i guess mm-hmm. because like there's a website specifically for like top ships of the season of the season yeah right and so those are basically all like canon straight couples yes or if they're not canon it's a romance anime and the the romantic tension is already there right. like they're like they're set up to be together right you know yeah. But if you look at what people are actually making, mm-hmm. it's mostly it's mostly Yaoi, which is gay, which is Yuri, g- yeah. um, lesbian. Lesbian, yeah. Or, yeah. It's... it's an, And it's mostly Yaoi. Like, yes, it is mostly yeah, Yaoi. Like, huge percentage is mostly Yaoi. Like, if you look up... Gay, yeah. I looked up Top Dojinshi, mm-hmm. and it's, like, mostly Yaoi. Yes. And I wanted to, on that note, because it is mostly women who make fan fiction, um, wanted to say that um, it is not, like, they're not doing it for the sake of queer representation. Mm-hmm. It's not, they're not doing it to to create, they're not doing it to create representation. They're not doing it as a, as a political action. It is indulgent still. And... Um, Something that I learned in my uh, fan studies class that I think could be, that I understand the point of view of, but if y'all don't, I guess it's open-ended. But what I learned was that the reason why most women write gay couples, so like two men together in their fan fiction, is to sort of like escape or bypass gender hierarchy. So usually, typically in a fan fiction, the two male, uh, the two men, 
in the relationship, one is still going to be more masculine and one is still going to be more feminine. Um, and whether the characters present like that in their media themselves doesn't even matter. Right. Because I, going back to, like, say, Kirk Spock, a lot of times women would just write Spock to be really feminine. But, um, I mean, I've seen Star Trek. I wouldn't exactly say that Spock is a feminine person. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, that doesn't matter. But they will write them within gender, like, constraints or, like, relationship like constraints but because they are both men they can kind of experience this like like truly equal relationship and it was a way for women to like project themselves into a story where they could experience being in a relationship that was truly equal or that they saw as truly equal um and it was kind of a way to experience some sort of like sexual freedom of not having to feel um, as I don't want to say not feel dominated because obviously like if you're still writing in um, you know gender constructs like right. like masculinity and femininity there is still some sort of like domination happening but because it was two men they were seen as equals and um, I think that's a really interesting point I can see that being true and if you don't that's okay if you don't if you're not ready to process that <laughs> that's okay I definitely had to process it whenever I first learned that so <laughs> yeah that's my my little takeaway on why women write a lot of gay yaoi fanfiction so on on the topic what are some of your ships my ships okay so um let me think because I definitely ship a little bit more outside of anime than within anime, I would say. I did, like I already mentioned, I did ship Yuri and Victor. Right. Um, Let's I, make it easy. Let's do some that are in season right now. That are in season? Okay, well, I definitely ship uh, Lloyd and Yor. Right. I really want them to kiss. I want them to kiss so badly. <laughs> it, I mean, yeah. it's, it's, I mean we've, we've talked about this uh, off stream before, and like you were explaining that it's literally like a trope. Like, the show is set up as a fan, as a fiction, fan fiction trope, trope. of, let's do an, I made up... A fake uh, relationship. Yes, a fake relationship yes. that will turn into a real relationship. Because yes. it's obvious that they have, like, feelings for each other. Yes, they do. Uh, yeah, I really want them to kiss. <laughs> um, but, honestly, like, with a lot of, like, the romance animes in season right now... I don't necessarily ship the characters. Mm -hmm. Like, Aharon and Raido, I don't actually really... I mean, I know that the feelings are there, especially with the last episode, but, like, <laughs> I don't necessarily... I still see them as friends. Maybe right, that's just yeah. me, but... It was... Okay, so... <laughs> Aharon is indecipherable is really interesting mm -hmm. because they, like, set up a concept of, oh, she, like doesn't know like boundaries of like how affectionate she should be mm -hmm. and then doesn't do anything with that for like six episodes <laughs> yeah and then all of a sudden they're like bam here's here's the romance now here's yeah. a romance in this anime where both of the characters are like stoic uh, stoic yeah like it came out of nowhere but yeah. pretty much yeah so then uh, not so much um i feel like 
Comey and Tadano. It's cute. Yeah. It's cute. I mean, it, just, it should just happen already. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm just kind of like, not not a lot of, there's isn't, well, recently, because they did just go on this school trip and Tadano wasn't really with her. So, like, the tension is a little bit stagnant for me right now. You know, the romantic yes. tension's a little stagnant for me right now, but maybe it'll come back. She, so. <laughs> they, they did a little, just like tiny itty bitty bitty spoilers. Okay. Is that, remember that they did have the, the girl talk. They and, did have girl talk. Yes. Okay. So that was the, the little bit of tension. Yes. Um, and then, okay. Finally, for this season, Shikimori. Shikimori. So, Shikimori. Lesbian bait. Is lesbian bait. <laughs> Shikimori, or, no. Is, is it me? Does not, does not deserve Shikimori. Yes. In the kindest way possible. Like, yes, they're cute and blah, 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 blah. But... Right. It's reverse. It's like reverse gender role. So it's all cute of like, oh, he's the dainty one that needs her strong protection. Yeah. But no. (laughs) (laughs) No. Shikimori, lesbian bait, should be with the other... The basketball girl. Volleyball. Volleyball. The volleyball girl. girl. Yes. Both. What, the sport girl. Sports girl. <laughs> Sports girl, yeah. Um, yeah. So that's my feelings on this season. No, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> um, some others on in this season. Um, so I... Okay. I love romance anime. Right. Yeah. I love it so much. I mm-hmm. love rooting on, like, characters in romance anime. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really don't ship outside of romance anime. Like, mm-hmm. uh, like when I'm whenever I'm watching like a show, like a non-romance show, I just don't really like it. Doesn't come into my head mm-hmm. while I'm watching it, and like, so I feel like kind of basic whenever <laughs> because I'm like I my my favorite like it took me a little while to like figure this out. Um, like, ooh, what characters do I ship? Because, like, I don't think like that Mm -hmm. when I'm watching shows. Other than, obviously, like, romance anime. Mm -hmm. So, like, um... Komi Tadano. It's cute. It's pretty good. Honestly, it's, it's like, the exact same thing happening for, like, 20 episodes. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And they are about to get into a new arc that introduces another character that creates a love triangle scenario. And then it actually gets interesting. But that's not going to be in this season. And I don't, I don't know if they have a third season set up yet. Mm-hmm. But that's when it, the show gets really good. And then... A show that I, I have fallen in love with. It is so good. Um, we've talked about this. I have a type. Right, okay, yes. I love tsundere's. Uh-huh. So if you don't know what a tsundere is, so there's different, like, archetypes of typically anime girls that are written, and one of them is a tsundere. So that basically means that they have, like, feelings for the character on the inside, but they don't really show it on the outside. So, like, they'll be, like, typically, like, teasing me. Yeah, they'll, like, refuse to show it. Right. Like, if it bubbles up, they gotta shut that down and they'll say something mean. Right. Yeah. And so, um, there is a show called Love is War. And Mm -hmm. basically, it's just 
two Sundares. It's I've talked about this on the podcast before. Um, it's two elite uh, elite students in a like uh, what's it called student council, mm-hmm. and they have feelings for each other. But since they're like of this high status, they won't. They're they like go through these schemes to try to get the other character to admit it first mm-hmm. and it just gets so convoluted sometimes <laughs> and it is so funny because it's like they're both like super inexperienced in relationships mm-hmm. and so it's like a lot of the most like innocent stuff so it'll be like oh well i could get her or or like i could i could get her to like hold my hand like because i'm directing her mm-hmm. and it'll be like but wait, that means she'd be holding my hand. <laughs> and, like, it, it gets pretty innocent mm-hmm. in, like, that sense. And it's just so funny. Right. Like, honestly, I might rewatch it with you. Um, just because it's so be fun. fun. Yeah. yeah. And then it, it was an anime last season or maybe the season before. But it's an ongoing manga now, which is um, Don't... Let's see, what is it? I think it's Don't Toy With Me, Nagatora. Mm-hmm. And... That's a real... It's an interesting relationship. So it was like... So there's like... I don't know why. Maybe it's because of Nagatoro. But there's kind of been a boom of like... Here is a character... Here's a girl that teases the boy. Like, Mm -hmm. kind of bullies. Okay, yeah. And like, there's like... A good handful yeah. of those shows. It's the right it's the Uno reverse card of how it used to be, like like in society. Whenever right. you know, like you know, the kids growing up and parents would be like, "Oh, he's being mean to you because he likes you." Yeah. Uh. And now it's like, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, now 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 guys are like, I wish girls would believe me. <laughs> but yeah, so basically, it started with her like really bullying him like Mm -hmm. honestly pretty harshly like it's kind of hard to read the first couple like chapters because it's it's pretty harsh like Mm -hmm. the main character like (laughs) cries but now they're like going on dates and it's like really cute and i'm like rooting them on (laughs) but like somewhere in between there it it got like oh you know maybe i actually have feelings for each other Mm -hmm. and so that's another one and then Probably my favorite romance anime, the quintessential quintuplets. Mm-hmm. So, now, in this one, you can actually have a ship because yes. there are multiple people right. that the main character can be with. Right. I talked about this on my top 10 anime list. Um, so, there is the main character and then five quintuplets. They all have different personalities, they have the, all of the different anime personality, like archetypes. Right, yeah. And the one that I wish that he got with is Nino. Mm-hmm. She's like the Sundari one. I know. I know. <laughs> um, but the reason why is because, like, more than the other girls, he, like, she, like, pushes herself to be better. Like, she, like, is really bad at, like, cooking at first. And then she, like, um, like really goes at it and even, like starts working at a bakery mm-hmm. and like it just like she like puts in the work to be like a better person and like it's just so cute 
and it's so good. <laughs> but I won't spoil who he does get with. Right. The movie's for that. Right. The movie's, <laughs> the movie's coming out this season. And so watch the two seasons and then watch um, the movie. <laughs> I might, I might have to catch you up on that. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's it. I think that's pretty much it as far as um, shipping, what it is. Yeah, who do you guys ship? <laughs> <laughs> How it manifests itself, its history, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, thank you guys for tuning in. Hopefully you learned something or laughed at us. Either right. one is okay. Um, this has been the Kenichi Hall podcast here on the Last Choice Network. Um, I am Natalie. And I'm Jared. And thank you guys so much for listening. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>